welcome to the Black Women Working Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again. How is everyone doing today? Good, though. Good, thank you. <laughs> lovely, jubbly. <laughs> lovely, lovely, jubbly. Like, well, I'm particularly um, excited about today simply because I think this is the first time we've actually done a cab- collaboration with an organisation that is for black women by black women. And our collaboration episode is with black women in real estate. Um, and we're going to be also, on top of collaborating, launching our first industry insider episode. So as you know, we're kind of really focused as a podcast in really elevating the experiences of black women in different industries. And so we thought that it would, sorry, black women work. And so we thought that that naturally follows that we would begin to highlight the experiences of black women in different industries, spill the tea on what it's like to work into that industry, how to get into there. And the first industry we're going to be talking about is one that is close to my heart, which is the real estate industry. So I'm really, really excited to welcome Hannah and Phyllis. If you don't mind, could you please introduce yourselves? Okay, I'll start then. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm Hannah Folabi. I am uh, the founder of Black Women in Real Estate. I'm also the founder and managing director of Mood and Space, which is a development consultancy and within the real estate industry. Okay, um, hi, I'm Phyllis Agbo. Um, I work for Stories as a senior development manager. Um, have been in the industry for about nine years now. And uh, yeah, hopefully keep going from strength to strength. Okay, and obviously I'm joined by the lovely Tolls. I forgot to give her an opportunity to say hello and shout herself out. So just big up yourself, Tolls. Hi there. I even forgot myself, to be honest with you. But they're used to my, they're used to me by now anyway. So hello, guys. They're used to our voices. I can't lie. We both got big mouths. Okay, cool. So um, <laughs> just being honest. So Hannah, are you able to give us a quick lowdown on kind of what Black Women in Real Estate is, its history? And I know you said you're the founder. Why did you feel you kind of needed to found like Black Women in Real Estate? Yeah. Um... As you know, we are a minority in the biggest sense in real estate. Um, like when I was at, at a certain point in my career, I looked around and didn't see any other black women. Like I had no other black women development management specialists around me. I was in several meetings with several consultants and just didn't see many black mm. women at all. And it was kind of like, a point of like this is slightly depressing not gonna lie but also it's a bit isolating and I thought if I don't see anyone coming in and anyone above me already like uh what does that mean even for my career but Mm. I was like actually this just feels like a fallacy like a you know a self-fulfilling prophecy if I don't find other black women like I'll just continue to feel like I'm here out here alone and so I did a LinkedIn stalk as you do and I, <laughs> I, I I legit went on LinkedIn and started like looking at JLL like Savills 
all of the companies and just trying to find like some black women. I um, love the connection actually. I yeah. Connecting. Yeah. So, so what's funny? I'll tell you a funny story about Phyllis, right? So I had messaged Phyllis oh, and I was like, it's about supporting other black women. She was like, I don't like the term support, but I'll come to the dinner. Why don't you like the term support? Feel the tea. Did you did. It was so funny. It was so so. No, it was. But you must have had your reason. A different term. Yeah, you said use a different terminology than support. Yeah, maybe which uplift. Yeah, to uplift. Yeah, Yeah. which actually I I rate. Like actually, it kind of was like oh, other women like me. Do you know what I mean? Like (laughs) strong black women, opinionated, and I just kind of loved that. And so, um, I I also was like on the phone to a bunch of people. I spoke to Faith. Mm -hmm. Um, Faith connected a bunch of people, and then it was like fifteen to twenty of us in Mm -hmm. Rose's tie in Spitfields and that's where it started it was like I remember I was hugging everyone on arrival because I was just so excited (laughs) to meet everyone (laughs) I was just so excited and we went around the table and everyone had a similar story Mm. um everyone was like super passionate and you know high performing and it was the first time I had been in in a room with other black women in the industry like full stop like it's just it had never happened in my career to that point I think I was like six years in mm-hmm. and that was like That's so wild for me um and yeah and so since then you know uh we started the whatsapp group and then we um done the we've done the linkedin group and we've just kind of grown mm-hmm. organically um I think covid was also really like a a, a big moment for us because we went from you know, being like fringe of fringe of a network to actually st- like establishing relationships, right? Because we were speaking so regularly. Yeah. And, and then George we, Floyd happened. Yeah. And I think also it kind of gave us a period of like empowerment because we felt like mm. we kind of had license to start dragging people by their singlets yes. in the industry. <laughs> like I started sending abusive emails to like other organizations that shall remain nameless and then being like, what are you guys doing? And so it kind of gave us a bit more. It's not even sort of, I almost think that's the wrong tone, isn't it? It's almost just holding people accountable, holding companies accountable. You can't stay silent anymore. It's that whole idea of Mm -hmm. being vocal, being an ally. You you choose to be an ally or you're not. There is no middle ground. Doing nothing is being complicit. Yeah, exactly. but I, I I love that we were, we had a group of people like together to determine who we were gonna do that to or not do it do it to, or like consult if we were like this person just emailed me randomly about being a black person, and they've never asked me before. How do I deal with that? Um, and I know you don't like the term Phyllis, but like it did become like actually forget it's not even a support group. It's actually become a sisterhood, if nothing else. And like yeah, you know, helping people yeah. with, when yeah, they had definitely. interviews and just calling. So that's that's what it was about, and that's where it started. I guess that's the journey. So so how so Phyllis, how were you like introduced into the real estate industry? Because there's all this talk about um, kind of understanding what it is, even knowing that it's an industry exists. Because I feel like. Mm especially from a cultural perspective, like we accept that there are five professions. So engineer, <laughs> doctor, lawyer, accountant, and possibly like surveyor, but I feel like probably not. Not even so professor. Professor or person, some person <laughs> in education. So like, yeah. how did you even find out 
about a career in the real estate industry and what that would mean. Yeah, I love the fact you just listed that because I did a, um, a speech at my <laughs> secondary school at the uh, yeah. beginning of last week and actually used that, that phrasing of this is what we are having to aspire to. This is what we are set. Uh, this is the journey we're set on. Um, well, my journey is um, it's probably a bit different from most. Um, so I joined the industry quite late. I joined in my late 20s um, as a graduate. Mm. Um, but like you just said, I didn't really know that much about surveying as a career. Um, obviously, mm. we, uh, we live in London, we are surrounded by property, we're surrounded by built, the built environment, and yet I never really thought that much about how it comes to be. You just mm. sort of think, yeah, these buildings are here, they're occupied, you go to shops, exactly. you, people yeah. work in offices, but didn't really think about the framework around that that allows it to happen. Um, but I came from sport, um, so I was um, f- uh, following university, went into full-time sport, and then... Um, well, sport doesn't last forever, unfortunately. The body eventually gives up on you and uh, you have to think about doing <laughs> something just, real. Say, the real to world. Say, to <laughs> say your body familiar. gives up on you when I'm seeing on Instagram all these like <laughs> world challenges every two minutes. Your body has not given up, please, I beg. It is, well, from an elite point of view, shall we say then. Okay. It's, yeah, it's okay. a different perspective, different context. Um, I was in athletics, so I did the heptathlon. Um, you look familiar. Uh, did, you, <laughs> did you compete for GB? I did, yes. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Do you know she's never spoken to us about this until I'm asking you on a podcast years later. I had oh, no idea. I must really? have done. Really? Oh yeah. Look at that. Okay, well, uh, maybe another time. Oh, <laughs> my God. I've got, even, time. I've got even more reasons to brag on you right about now, but carry on. <laughs> um, yeah, so sort of retired from that sort of... Uh, early teens of the decade and um, just was thinking what I wanted to do next and Mm -hmm. uh, a company a recruitment firm actually that um, helps those that are coming from elite sport and the armed forces so it helps them to navigate into the world so may that be accounting finance Mm -hmm. um, legal um, and just will help you identify what it is you might want to do next what your skills are attributed best attributed to um, help you get work experience help you to sort of work out how your CV should be uh, structured um, in order to get the best out of yourself because you may not necessarily have the industry experience that you need to go to where you want to, but you have those transferable skills and you've got various other things that um, are strings to your bow. So they really helped me and uh, real estate is just something that ticked a lot of boxes for me, Um, it being quite a sociable industry, Mm. being something that, um, again, coming back to being in London, you are surrounded by the built environment. So just understanding a bit more about how that comes to be really intrigued me. So I got some work experience, then joined the graduate scheme. And before mm-hmm. I knew it, I was a uh, qualified, well, not before I knew it, because it was bloody hard work, but uh, qualified <laughs> as a surveyor um, and then entered into residential development, which is uh, where I am now. Can I ask you a question, please? Because I know that in America, they often um, refer to this um, career as real estate. Is that something that translates across in the UK as well? Is that Do how you mean a realtor? Like you mean a realtor? It, no, they call it, it yeah, real I think real estate as a term is quite American. Yeah, mm. so we call it well, yeah. property or real estate. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, they're sort of interchangeable here. But I suppose when you're talking to those outside of the industry, mm-hmm. it does sound like an Americanism, like real estate as a term. Um, I work in real yeah. estate. Everyone seems to yeah. work in real estate <laughs> in America. That's because <laughs> where the money is made. That's why I'm doing this podcast so more black women can come and collect the coins. Please, Hello. please, please Hello. come join us up here. <laughs> and Hannah, how about you? Like, was yours, obviously you weren't an athlete, no shade, 
but like no. <laughs> I'm sorry I have no there's no shade there's no sorry, there's not Phyllis. one athletic bone in my body like so it's not even shade but like how did no. you come to to the career as well um so so it's funny I actually read a book when I was like 12 years old and decided I wanted to be an architect I swear this is what actually happened I read a book didn't know, like it, out of all the five stuff doy doctor all of that stuff I didn't know like none of that appealed to me um and then I read the book and I was like daddy I'm going to be an architect and he was like okay and he had because his brother's an architect in Nigeria my dad my dad has many uh, families so this is like it's like a quite a far removed uncle and then um he was like okay well that's a fine career because someone else I know has done it right so um I had set out to do architecture I studied architecture as an undergrad Mm-hmm. At, um, at the University of Sheffield and I didn't actually like it so when I worked oh, no. yeah I didn't I didn't really enjoy it that much like it was my first experience of feeling othered mostly because mm-hmm. of the, the school and the type of people who do architecture and who are the yeah, type of people that do interest. architecture yeah, please it's, mi- yeah. it's middle class white people it's who, who are your typical architects, people who could afford to spend £100 to print paper to have someone tear it off the wall and tell you to start again. <laughs> like, this is... <laughs> it's going to sound bad, but this is actually what architecture... <laughs> architecture is a bit wild. Like, there's been inquiries about, like, some of the universities just because of how they do crits. Yeah, there was one um, at UCL as well. It's published, yeah. it's published in The Guardian if anyone wants to read it. Yeah, it's a bit... It's a bit, it's a lot. Like, you have to print these A3 sheets of paper to pre- present your work, half work, and they'll draw on it, they'll rip it off, they'll say start again. Mm-hmm. But that, like, that piece of paper is, like, £10, right? This A1 sheet of paper that you've printed. And, like, for me, I come from, <laughs> I don't come from money like that. So that was, like, I was on pot noodles at one time. Like, that was just my food. For because paper. it was quite an expensive course. <laughs> I'd love to know in the time from when you you started your undergrad to now whether or not there has been now diversity of thought around the table to understand that that is something that means something it's not just an an, 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 um, attitude that you can have that means something I, do you know what's funny? I stumbled upon a University of Sheffield, Sheffield like exhibition in Spitfield and I saw one of my like one of the old tutors who was still there and a, one of the a couple of the students and it has adjusted adjusted slightly but it hasn't it hasn't like stopped if that makes sense. So I think I think there's evolution, but you know we've got a, there's a new president, president or a president elect of the RIBA who is a black young guy who went to the University of Sheffield. Yeah, funnily sure. enough, yeah. and so hopefully the industry will adapt to that. Um, but for me, it wasn't a profession I could like say mm-hmm. this is what I want to do. Also, because like when I went to work in Nigeria for a little bit. Um, I was more intrigued by getting or going on site and seeing construction. Um, and seeing concrete being poured and climbing up scaffolding than I was about like doing detailed drawings like that wasn't my bag and I learned like actually I'm more excited about the concept of a building than I am drawing it and where like in terms of who who drives the concept that's the client and that's when I came back and I worked at like Peabody Housing Association and I was able to work on a large regeneration project that for me was like 
a, a light bulb moment that this is what I want to do. And that's always nice, like developing a passion. Like it's not just the job, like having that passion. I mean, especially yeah. the, the fact you've gone out by yourself now. Uh, yeah, that's, that's true that actually. Is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so like just for just for the listeners, like if there's anyone thinking, oh, real estate is a career that I never knew I wanted, huh? Um, what are the key skills that you feel? <laughs> no subtext. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, I think I should just do full disclosure that I work in the real estate industry. So I'm like a real estate lawyer. Um, so I do have a bit of experience, but I feel like I want to let the professional shine today. So I'll add in my tidbits as and when absolutely <laughs> necessary. But what are like the key skills that you feel um, that you need to really progress? Um, I would say that, well, I think I've mentioned it in already. Because ultimately, we're realist- both pretty senior, Hannah. Yeah. Go mm-hmm. on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I would say that uh, the real estate yeah. industry is a very um, sociable industry. It's very mm-hmm. much based on relationships and networks. So whether you, whether or not you're a, an outgoing person or a more um, secluded person, it doesn't matter. There will be something for you. But just being aware mm-hmm. that that is an industry, um, the real estate industry, is some, one of those that, um, yeah, talking to people, meetings, networking, it's really important um, for developing yourself as a surveyor and developing your career as well. So sort of um, business development as well as um, what you'll be doing day to day. So I'll say um, developing those elements of your of your uh, of skill set, uh, quite important. Um, but then again, I think real estate is, I mean, I hate to be comparing it to rugby because rugby is very much synonymous with the real estate yeah. industry. It is, but like yeah. But like rugby, whereby there is a position for everybody, real estate is yeah. very similar. So you can be, say, an agent, you can be someone that's more um, about the numbers and uh, doing analytical work. You can be mm-hmm. someone that is creative and be doing um, fit out. You can be um, very diligent and be a building surveyor. There is there is something for everybody. So identifying what your skill set is and then almost then fitting that to a position within the real estate industry. It's not necessarily, oh, you have to be one type of person. There is very, pretty much something for everybody, which again is why it's... Um, quite upsetting when you don't see a diverse pool of people yeah. in our industry because it is something that there is something for everybody it truly yeah. is no I agree Hannah what do you think yeah no 100% like exactly what you said Phyllis I think um the the biggest skill is people's people skills like you just need to know how to network and put yourself mm. out there um like the industry is 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 are really receptive to people. Was well, so it once someone says yes and they know you, they'll just mm-hmm. keep using you over and over again. So they're quite receptive to to relationships, um, and literally you could you could do and be like there's there's so many jobs. There's real estate marketing. There's real estate PR. There's real estate law. Like there's mm-hmm. not it's not one factor that you have to be like as mm-hmm. like a a kind of specialist specialist to then be in real estate you can just literally just do what you've been doing your whole career and transition into a real estate uh, organization and then specialize within real estate as a hr person or a talent development person um so yeah it's very broad as to what you can do and i guess like to phyllis's point that's why it is so shocking that there's just so little diversity because it does encapsulate everything and the thing that, that i i think like when I think about the industry is that um, 
like the built environment affects everyone and so I do yeah. truly believe that everyone should be present and visible in the built environment and so that means like a widest range of diversity um and different perspectives and I think where you get that and when we get more people who are just like not the norm like real estate person we actually do start to get innovation and there's so many mm. examples of that when people do just kind of transition and then say but why are we not doing this differently and then that like really does produce new like new ideas um and then just one one more thing to shout out is prop tech like property technology is yeah, also a really ask. big like subsector of real estate and so it's definitely worth like if if tech is your bag it's worth establishing because there's so many problems in property that need resolving um and we know that tech's going to be the big like one of the big <laughs> the big souls yeah <laughs> can i ask a question what mm -hmm. do you think because you guys have spoken a lot about the lack of representation and diversity what would you say the industry could do to entice people into it and get people understanding it and just generally build enthusiasm in young up-and-coming lawyers as this is the place to be in somewhere where you can expand you can get a whole range of experience and just have a, a thrilling time realistically in terms of you know your skill set and utilizing them um, I think it's grassroots. I mean, as we've sort of touched on a few times already, surveying is one of those, or well, the property industry in general, but mm -hmm. um, specifically surveying, because that's um, what myself and Hannah do. But it's one of those industries whereby you don't really know about it until a lot later on in life. Mm -hmm. So being able to tailor, you, you don't even know about tailoring your sort of your education or even your undergrad towards a um, a, a, a degree. Oh, sorry, a um, yeah, a degree or a. Uh, qualification that can lead you into a real estate um, career. So perhaps, yeah, going into schools, just getting more of an understanding about the fact that we are all in this built environment. We, we interact with schools, we interact with shopping centers, we interact with our own homes. Like mm. you may know, oh, you have an estate agent that might have sold your, your, your house to your parents. But beyond that, there's not really much of an understanding or a knowledge base um, in your younger years. And so Yes, passion is something that can de develop at any time, but if you're able to get people younger, at a younger age, then, uh, yeah, it can really help. Because I feel like I didn't know that property was an industry until I became a trainee solicitor. Um, and I was forced to work in a property team because like, <laughs> my previous employers were just Babylon. Um, no, they're one of the biggest property... Oh, you're Babylon? <laughs> no, I'm saying they're not Babylon, like Babylonians. Um, and I hated them. But no... <laughs> they um they make everyone do a rotation in property unless you have a special exemption and it's only when I began to work in that department that I began to realize like development is a thing and it goes beyond just like you said someone selling my mum and dad's house and estate agent like it's so much more than that and I remember being a trainee and working on the de the Argent development at King's Cross and just seeing all the different layers to that and thinking wow this was a red light district and they knocked down my roller skate disco and <laughs> now i know who did it and now i know why and if yeah. you just look at how king's cross has changed i would say over the last five to six years it's a classic a example. example of of how working in the real estate industry can you know impact your day-to-day -day lived experience especially in london so i agree like definitely at the grassroots because you never know like the more people know that it's an option to do it like you said they will but hannah what do you what's your suggestion i genuinely think it's 
uh, more retention as well. Like culturally, yeah. the industry hasn't really adapted to um, allow for people to even want to stay. And so there's like loads of new entrants or say loads. There's not that many new entrants, but there's new entrants coming and then they realize it's just difficult to adjust to the working environment and because real estate is so people focused and and so heavily networking if you're not confident enough or comfortable enough and can come out yourself enough to like actually engage with people who are not like you you're just going to struggle um and so the industry has to kind of do its bit to move halfway to say it can't just be ski rugby and like and bike tournaments every day. You know, have you been on a ski trip? Have you been on a ski trip though? Because I mean, I went on a ski trip once and it's kind of live. So I've been on a ski trip with my sisters, but not a real estate ski trip. Like, I enjoyed one. Oh, I haven't done, I haven't done a real estate one. Maybe we should do a black women in real estate ski trip thing. That would be fun. Just to acclimatize us. I am there. Phyllis can be our teacher because she's the physical one out of me. Me, I go skiing. I go skiing for the look, yeah, to go down two slopes. And to drink oh, wine, I, so I do not think about it. I was on the moguls by the end of my trip. <laughs> I'm not trying to do any real skiing at, at ski, on the skiing trip. I'm just being honest. But anyway, um, I get, I know, I do, I do take your point. And like, and I think one of the reasons why black women in real estate is important because we're just trying to raise that conversation that like ski trip rugby um, is nice, but you know, let's do other things as well. I still want to go to. Um, Oh my gosh, I've just forgotten the name of that conference that everyone goes to. I'm going to go Mip to him. Property Hill. Mip him. Yeah, Mip I still him. want to go to MIPIM. I feel like then it's I would have reached... Expensive. When I go to MIPIM, I've reached the gold another... standard, the pinnacle. Nobody could tell yeah. me. Nobody could call my name because I've yeah, been yeah, called yeah. to the gods, like to yeah. the level of the, the real estate gods and I am a G, that my firm is paying money for me to go MIPIM and drink wine. Just so everyone doesn't know, MIPIM is just like an <laughs> annual real estate networking event it's meant to have talks and things but everyone just goes there on banter but deals are done deals are done deals are done the number of people come back tired because they are as well as the the drinking and having fun yeah, they are networking to the nines yeah absolutely every 15 minutes a new person is at your table it is that yeah everyone makes that well they have to make the most of it because you are the money being spent to keep you there is uh it's not it's not it's no joke but then this goes back to the point that like it's literally just about networking deals happen when you just have a have a drink have a have a coffee and have a chinwag and that's it and if they like you they'll keep using you or they'll keep doing your deals and giving you the big bucks like real estate as an industry and i was just trying to find a stat but it's like it's worth billions like it's not a small it's not a small niche industry It's, it's huge and so like if the one thing you can do is learn how to network to, to get to get and your get money up, to get them coins, like yeah. that said, yeah, then... Yeah, and it's cross-border as well. It's, I mean, mm. we're, we're talking about London. We've even really been talking about London, but we've got the UK, you've got the, you've got the continent, you've got the world. Like, the, um, the real estate industry is something that is very much cross-border. Yeah. There's, money to be, there's money to be made. Yeah, like, literally, my clients come from everywhere, and I'm now at, looking at that atlas. Where can I get new clients from? Like, where can I go that someone else hasn't gone before? Yeah. So definitely. So just talking about that, like, if you don't mind, if we can get like a little bit personal, where do you guys see your yourselves in the real estate industry? Is an industry that you want to stay in, you want to grow in? Do you like see yourself being in particular positions, working on particular developments in the next five years? 
but that's a personal question so you don't have to give details you can just be like <laughs> high level you know when you ask someone if they've got a boyfriend and they're like maybe you can give an you can give like a maybe type of answer I feel like the only person I think would give that answer is you <laughs> I don't know anyone else that says maybe <laughs> wow anyway like I was saying where do you see yourself in the Cards next five to ten years <laughs> Well, let me, let me dig myself out of my hole. Um, <laughs> well, um, I've just joined a, uh, what I feel is a really exciting company called Stories, um, mm-hmm. and they're a socially responsible developer um, and that's that aim to yeah. um, use the, their skills, our skills, in the built environment to, for positive change. May that be um, social value, um, environmental um, change, looking at sustainability, just wanting to leave the world in a better place than we found it. Um, and it's something that is true to the ethos. It's not just say a tick box yeah. exercise because this is what is like hot right now. It's very much a what can we do to ensure that we are thinking beyond profit? We're thinking about people, we're thinking about the planet, we're thinking about making sure that we are making this place as equitable as possible. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about what I'm going to be doing with, uh, with stories. Um, and so yeah, just be developing with them over the next few years. and. Uh, yeah, see what we can do to sort of partner with those that need our help to to bring to fruition their projects um, that uh, make this world a better place. Yeah, I love that. I want to be proud to be a developer. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. That is important because yes. a lot of de- developers are dutty jankros. <laughs> so it's you know very important to be proud. It's so funny. It's so good that you mentioned that, Phyllis, because as you guys are speaking, I was thinking about you know a lot of people these days have a lot of contention with issues such mm. as gentrification, things like mm-hmm. that. I wondered mm-hmm. if you'd ever kind of encountered like that. I don't know ethical, such moral challenge in terms of your working, and you you know that kind of okay this is a job i need to do this but also this is the impact that this particular really piece question. of work is going to have oh. on other people like how do you manage that oh hannah i know you've got a great answer for this uh, <laughs> no so honest honestly i think it was also one of the reasons i left because i was having this ethical challenge so my last project was actually on the olympic park in east village mm-hmm. in the east east wicken sweetwater which is opposite the east village and um, my church was part of the land that was CPO'd for the Olympic Park. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. And actually, it was, it was okay because it was, like, coming home to do better, you know, to redevelop mm. and, like, do do better, th- like, do something better. And I'm, uh, my family were CPO'd uh, when we... So just to explain, the- that's compulsory purchase, Sorry. purchase Thank you. order. Thank so you. the local authority says, yeah, give us your land and we'll give you some money. But yeah. you need to get out. Yeah, but you have to leave. Like it's a legal yeah. order that you. It's not like you can just stay. Um, and, they're, and they're not given lightly either. It is for a wider strategic project. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. well, mainly in exactly. Yeah. yeah, although <laughs> that's a different. I'm not, let me not even go that. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to get us back on trust. I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Join the real estate industry, we're such good people. Anyway. I'm sorry, okay, I'm sorry, let's get back on track. So, and so I was really excited for this project and actually I I really enjoyed doing this project. But the thing I struggled with Mm -hmm. is having grown up in Hackney, having gone to that church, I knew what the people who were there before the Olympic Park yeah. was there, mm-hmm. who they were. Mm-hmm. And there was this like really disturbing like narrative around the community. Mm-hmm. There was no community before mm-hmm. the Olympic Park. Um, and that really bugged me. And like I would like challenge like my 
my line managers, my like the my community manager who is working there, to go beyond the artist community and start to speak oh, to absolutely. some of the elderly community, yeah. some yeah. of the people who were in the estates, and like Kingsmead estates on the corner, Trowbridge estates just round the corner, like why are you not why are we not speaking to more of these people and like it challenged it challenged me because it was like i can't just do my nine to five mm. and not question why there are like literally huge parts of the community who are not involved or benefiting from this mm. and so one of the reasons i i actually left was because i want to do development better like mm. i want to similar to phyllis um and stories who are a great organization i want to see how we can do like embed community in the process of development and actually think about how we can like be more considerate about how we're developing large-scale regeneration or spaces so we're not literally like displacing communities displacing cultures and you know mm -hmm. london is such a vibrant place or has been known to be a vibrant place and so eclectic in its cultural um variety that now like re regeneration is starting to for me make it feel more monotonous because communities mm -hmm. are being so displaced that we like you know like what starts like to be the difference between regeneration regeneration for who basically like yeah regenerating for yeah. for who we like yeah. yeah but but then what would london be known for mm, as well like flavor yeah exactly like where's the like it's, if brixton starts to be shoreditch starts to be i don't know deptford or canada yeah. water or king's cross why like like what is each individual part of london known for mm. and i think that is like that is, we can point towards certain actions within how we've been developing mm -hmm. our, our spaces and new spaces to say that's where the problem is. Mm -hmm. And it's because of who's around the, the table mm -hmm. and who's not being consulted for when those things are happening. Yeah, like, it's point. just, we, we need to do it better because we're, we're losing, we're losing that, the essence of London fundamentally, I think in how we're delivering new spaces. It's just homogenizing London, isn't it? Just yeah, exactly. Like, it's quite sad. Yeah. Everywhere looks the same now. Every yeah. new build, every it just exactly the same. But to be fair, there will always be a delineation between people from North London and people from South London. <laughs> Don't, even start, <laughs> Don't even start that right now. Don't even start that. <laughs> Don't even start that. That line will never be blurred. It will never be. Although really interesting. South details. is where the is culture it? is at. I've said it. Anyway, Phyllis, you were saying, what were you going to say, Phyllis? <laughs> oh, no, I was going to keep on going. I was like, okay, where do you consider the, the boundary to be? Because I don't think it's the river. No, it's not the river. It's not, uh, it's not the river, but I didn't do very well in geography, so I'm going to leave that one. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't agree limit. that South is where all the culture is. Just, uh, just like you cannot agree. That's not that is just is. not the truth. Is like <laughs> it's just no. Like, only a South Londoner would say something so bland like, like that. Literally, <laughs> like that's because you think you've got Mollies. You think you you just run things, and nobody cares about Mollies. Mollies is awful, and there's a Mollies in Edmonton. Is, you know what Mollies oh, is, so and you're not from South, so evident, evidently, you know the influence is influence. That's your claim to fame. Not even Brixton. Morley's. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> Hannah, what's your personal aspirations, please? In all honesty, I just want to, like, I would actually, my personal aspiration, there's a few of them, but I'll tell you my big one is to oh, be the managing director, founder of a large scale re a re a real estate company within an industry that has, 
I don't even know if there are any other female black founders of a real estate mm -hmm. development consultancy. Mm -hmm. So that is my, to, to compete with the big boys, basically. Can you give me a job as general counsel? Because I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I will. It's not, it's not uh, just for you, it's for all of us. Remember, I Send me your CV in it. No, Woo! joking. <laughs> No, no, I'm joking. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, I've got you. I've got you. Give me, oh, give me like five, five, six years. Yeah. I'm happy to wait. Don't worry. Um, and I just think, um, finally, but we probably, we probably co um, covered this. But I know that we have a lot of students that that listen, um, a lot of, of black female students as well. Um, and I'm gonna put some information about the Land Collective, which is an organization mm -hmm. run by Sarah, one of our members, which is just seeking to provide more information to people at a graduate level, pre-university and um, like just post-graduation about how they can get onto graduate schemes, work experience schemes with some really amazing property companies to improve. Mm -hmm the diversity from the grassroots level um as phyllis said but how do you think just making it a little bit more nuanced um as a as a black woman like how do you how have you been able to build careers for yourself i'll answer this question as well because i feel like i can add a little bit of contribution to this one talking to people getting your name out there finding mm -hmm. yourself a, a yeah. um a sponsor an advocate someone that will mention yeah. your name when yeah. you're not in the room being open to opportunities um, networking, like we said, I d uh, find out who is it you identify mm. with, who can be there to support you, I will use that word, support you, to uplift you, to, to, to help you develop yourself um, in order then to be able to develop into the industry. Um, we are often, I think as black women, always think, yeah, we must fight, we must fight, we must fight, we must do it by ourselves, we must make sure that we yeah. do this for ourselves, yeah. but yeah. It, it doesn't have to be that way. Like We're, we're here to be there for one, one another. Um, the whole point I agree. of... Uh, Black women in industry, um, black women in real estate, as a um, collective of women, as a sisterhood, is to show that this is where you can aim for. This is where what else there is out there. This mm -hmm. is who you can help connect you for to that next person that can help you move those two steps forward that uh, you've been waiting to do so for so long. So um, yeah, be open to opportunities. Mm -hmm. Hannah, don't close yourself away. So um, yeah, effectively everything Phyllis said, um, but outside of just like finding your mentor, your sponsor, making real connections within your workspace, mm -hmm. I would say build your confidence, work on yourself. Like yeah. a lot of time, a lot of times as women, not just as black women, as women, we tend to um, fold in on ourselves instead of taking up space. Mm. Um, build your confidence. But when you so so when you have the people and the opportunities, you have to actually like own that opportunity. You have to take yeah. up the space. You have to execute. You can't then hide yourself or like start to like diminish yourself when you're given that opportunity. The other thing I would say is know that you're different. Being a black woman, especially in a very white dominated space, mm -hmm. means that you will stand out. That then is your superpower. Use that superpower to yeah. execute. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. don't then shy away. Don't hide from people. All of these all of the people around the table 
actually one one last thing most of the people around the table don't know what they're doing I'm not gonna lie <laughs> but yeah it's the truth of the matter it's good a lot of people don't know what they're doing everyone, everyone has an, literally and or has an insecurity therefore you have worth around the table mm. just like step into that step into that confidence is what i would say no, I love that as well, because to be fair, I feel like the more senior I get, the more I realise everyone is just swinging it. And had mm. I had that confidence coming in, I probably would have felt a lot better about, about myself. I think also a good way um, to build yourself a career is also to lean into the fact that you have a different lived experience and that when yes. people are brainstorming to be like, well, have you thought about it from this perspective? Because from my background, X, mm. Y, Z, and I feel like even at my stage, even though like I'm a step removed, usually they've already made all the, the development plans and they're asking me to help them with their schemes. I can say, oh, I don't think this is going to work or I think you need to consider this, especially in negotiations. That's such a good point. And, and also I've, I've really seen a lot of these comments about like communities and portraying communities as tyrants. And it, they sometimes the comments can be pretty flippant, like, oh my God, we've got a really active community group. And I can be like, yeah, because that's a strong cultural community. I've lived in my slam card or my trump card is always I've lived in London my whole life or I've lived in North London my whole life. Obviously I'm not claiming South, <laughs> but I'm always able to say like, yeah, that community has been there since such and such time. And just to change those attitudes to be like an active community group isn't a problem for development. It, it should be something that encourages you to develop in a more equitable way. So, yeah, and so true. I back that up. Now. Just just even on that, I think that's a narrative that is just so false, false in the industry. Yeah. Like yeah. if you think about the process of planning to get planning is a political mm. process. So mm -hmm. why don't you use the community to influence the local mm -hmm. councillors as opposed to hiding yeah. from them? Like I just I just have never like grasped why there's always animosity towards a community who can actually help you and reduce your risk quite like quite significantly, especially mm -hmm. when you're about to go for planning committee. So so yeah, I just, I definitely feel that. And even just to add to your point as well, it's like I've been around the table with architects who are drawing these large glass doors and these like really dark corners. And as a woman, and also having lived in in uh, a council estate, I can say, yo, someone's gonna use that as anti for antisocial behavior. Like you've exactly. just created somewhere where even men can go and pee or they can sell drugs <laughs> or people can literally, they can smoke some weed. And like, maybe I wouldn't say it in this kind of manner, but it's like, yeah. these are perspectives that a lot of, some of the, some of the men who are designing haven't thought of because they've never felt uncomfortable walking down the street as as a man in london yeah, so it, these are so these are the yeah literally it's it's so important to just like speak up and speak out about things that because you know you think people are experts on their specialism but they're still learning every day yeah and there's always yeah. room for growth but anyway guys it's been amazing but i have to come come to an end i i feel like we could talk for another 45 minutes but people oh you know we can yeah <laughs> stop listening. maybe we need to do a part two but i just want to thank you um so much for making the time and thank the listeners for listening as always um please tell a friend to tell a friend to tell another friend about the podcast so we can get the word out um Hannah, are you able to give us like details of where people can find out about D BWRE, if they want to join, where they can join and how they do that? Yeah, so we are on Instagram, LinkedIn, follow us on LinkedIn, uh, Black Women in Real Estate on uh, LinkedIn. You can uh, request to join the Black Women in Real Estate group, that's where uh, offers etc are um 
Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll post it. Uh, uh, if you go on our website and you subscribe to our newsletter, you also get a newsletter of um, opportunities and events that Black Women in Real Estate are either hosting or promoting. Um, but yeah, I like I love hearing from people, and we love hearing from people. Mm -hmm. So do get in touch. Okay. Thank you very much. And um, for Black Women Working, um, you can follow us or at us on Twitter and Instagram with at BWWPodcastUK. And you can also keep the conversation going the hashtag, using our hashtag, which is hashtag BWWPodcastUK. And in this case, you can also hashtag BWRE, Black Women in Real Estate as well. Um, if you have any suggestions for topics or anything you want to talk about or you want any to give us any feedback please feel free to dm us on twitter or instagram or to message us on linkedin we're black women working on linkedin and um, you can also email us um at blackwomenworkinguk at gmail and ladies i just want to thank you for your time and set you free on this lovely evening um and it's been great i've really really enjoyed it thank you so much thanks so much no thank you thanks for having us and we'll speak to you soon bye bye, bye.